0: G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey and welcome to Lockdown, Character Strengths and Silver Linings, your guide to applying positive psychology in seclusion. I'm once again joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey. Dad, good to be chatting with you on the podcast again today. Hi Rowan, good to be with you again. Now, I'm looking forward to today's episode because I think it's something that's going to be relevant to just about everyone out there in different ways. So we've entitled today's episode Quelling Quarrels in Quarantine. So what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking about different ways of dealing with
1: conflict, interpersonal conflict, which is a, well, it's a general theme in everyday life because what conflict means is that where one person wants something different from another or where we have competing interests in some way could even be whether we get to use a desk or a computer or what TV program we get to watch. So it's inevitable that conflict is a part of life but it's likely to feature even more at times of greater stress.
0: Well I think it's certainly fair to say that we're in a time of greater stress at the moment and even just some of the examples that you're mentioning there, imagine out there there's a lot of people dealing with whether it be homeschooling or working from home and, and even just some of the I suppose posturing that occurs for lack of a better term around the household in terms of who has which space at what time and all that sort of stuff I imagine that really factors in at the moment too
1: yeah, so there are extra stresses, and at a time when we're restricted in our usual outlets and maybe restricted in sort of having to compete for resources more, if you like, as well, compete with what we've got at home. But um, when we talk about extra stresses, actually, there was a tweet that came out from the Australian Psychological Society today that explained that about 50%, about half of people at the moment, are feeling socially isolated, and more than half are feeling extra stresses. As a result of COVID-19 and so I suppose if generally the theme of dealing with conflict is a common one when people think about their lives or challenges they're facing certainly a very common theme that people bring up when they see a psychologist well it's only natural that that's going to be even more of a feature of our lives at the moment.
0: Well, recognising some of those current stresses, whether they be financial, whether they be social, there's, there's going to be a whole range of ways people are more stressed at the moment. So what difference does it make to conflict when people are more stressed?
1: Well, generally it's going to be more intense and our reactions might even be more unpredictable. Sometimes we might even act in uncharacteristic ways. And um, one way I think about this is when we face overwhelming circumstances, that this is one of the ways our, our reactions can be different from usual. After a traumatic event, such as happened some decades ago when there was a Queen Street shooting, sadly a number of people were killed in an office building in Melbourne. And afterwards they had a debriefing program for staff, offering them support. And what happened about three weeks after the shooting is a number of people in that group separately approached the group leader, the support person, and said hey, look, this is a different thing, but I've got some real problems in my marriage at the moment. And the leader said, look, I think that might be partly related to this trauma that you've all been through. And the person would say, oh, look, no, I don't think so. It's just that you know, we've been having lots of fights and arguments and I've been getting really angry and, and just maybe I think my, my marriage isn't so good. Now, this happened so often that they approached the leader in that way that afterwards he twigged that one of the ways we can react to feeling overwhelmed is to have pent-up tension. So after a traumatic event, like having been assaulted or even being in a car accident or whatever, people can feel pent-up tension that's looking for release. And especially for men, there's a risk that the way that some people will express that release or even unconsciously seek it is by losing their temper in some way and so that's one of the examples of some of the unpredictable ways we can react to conflict under stress and so with this podcast we're looking to help people reflect on our ways of dealing with stress and conflict and and if we can maybe choose some more constructive ways of responding.
0: Well you know a little bit more about this than I would And it's a horrible thing but I remember hearing one time that roughly about six weeks or so after a natural disaster such as a bushfire or something like that, uh, about six weeks or so afterwards quite often you see a a spike in domestic violence cases and so that seems to be something that would speak a little bit to that as well.
1: Yes, unfortunately, the effect of prolonged stress and, and, and how that can impact on, on people. And it just shows the importance of looking to get a handle on that, of reflecting on our ways of things. But, um, because one thing is some common reactions to stress are having more difficulty concentrating, more difficulty with sleep, and another one is greater problems with irritability. Now, of course, if that goes unchecked, if people don't look at other ways of dealing with that, then that can lead into more uh, intense anger reactions. And so, of course, that would just make things so much worse. So, but, but when people have problems with anger or irritability generally, and many people will be experiencing more of that, then what really helps is coming back to reflect on our characteristic ways of dealing with conflict.
0: Well, I think it's really worth looking into some of this stuff at the moment because of how long we do have left living in seclusion, I imagine over time, some of the, the tensions that appear can, if they're not addressed properly, can certainly escalate. So I imagine a period of some months living in tension with those around you could really go against the relationship overall. Uh,
1: exactly. And that, that's where it's worth thinking of ways of reducing some of that tension and stress generally. But, but also, look, I don't want to be too bleak about this either when we think of how things might be over six months of greater stresses. We're also going to get better At handling a number of conflicts. We're going to get better at thinking of how do we manage the spaces in our home so we have some time uh, where we're connecting but also some time apart and solitude. We're we're going to get better with our routines at how do we manage who uses the desk or the study or how we manage uh, uh, who gets to access what TV when or whatever we might be living in more close proximity and at times have limited resources we want to share but I think we'll gradually get better with our routines at sorting some of that out and and adapting.
0: Well I think that's just it and even if you look at The way things have unfolded recently, there's just been so much change. It's been so sort of hard to get your head around a a certain period of time with any sort of stability. So there is going to be some readjustment and some, I suppose, settling in that takes place now that we're a couple of weeks down the line.
1: Yeah, and look, look, I think a general point that you're making there too is it's a thing we've brought up in this podcast before, but allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, cutting ourselves a bit of slack. Now, that doesn't mean that we make excuses if we lose our temper or something like that, but just accept the fact that there are extra stresses. At times, we might act in ways that we're not so proud of or it's more difficult to manage, but by reflecting on our ways of reacting and how we might, say, tweak our reactions, uh, hopefully that will help us over the coming months.
0: So, having a look at our current situation with everyone spending more time indoors and around others, are there any things that you think that are particularly relevant that apply to conflict management?
1: Well, look, in terms of the specific things at the moment, I think it is partly working out routines together and how we manage spaces. I think in homes, especially with younger children, it helps if the two parents together have ways that they have a fair bit of agreement on ways of managing situations where conflict might come up. But but I think also managing with some of the adjustments with homeschooling or what the expectations are about homework or whether people are using screens or how much homework people are doing. Actually, part of dealing with conflict is trying to be realistic in our expectations of ourselves and each other. And the main thing I'd say at the moment is cutting ourselves and each other a little bit more slack with that because that's where we're particularly going to get into more difficulty if our expectations get a bit rigid.
0: Yeah, so I suppose what comes to mind there is having a look at everyone's current situation at the moment, one thing, I suppose a tactic that you would usually employ to diffuse conflict would be to, to I suppose, gain some space from the other person. But that's not necessarily something that people are going to be able to do as much at the moment. So what do people do about that?
1: Well, I, th- I think one of the main things is look at what we can do in our patterns. Like, like many people will be able to, for example, at least have a bedroom they can go to. Actually, much more so than previous generations. In, in our generation, often uh, houses are uh, bigger in modern life and many people have their own bedroom at least. And that's something that can be helpful getting outside where people can. We can still, as we talked about in the last podcast, you can still go exercising outdoors and it's worth really using that time also for some either solitude or to catch up with a friend if we've been feeling a bit socially isolated but I think also in terms of our routines or spaces or whatever if we have ways that we have access to a certain space in the house if there is for example a study that we work out that you know roughly when people can get to use that in a way that's shared uh, so so part of it will be thinking about how we combine uh, like our routines with making the most of the spaces we've got And spending time outdoors in your yard, certainly. If people enjoy gardening or something like that, there'll be extra ways that we can find, hopefully, a way of getting a bit of time to ourselves.
0: Well, recognising that there is going to be some extra conflict that occurs at the moment, what are some of the more tried and true principles of dealing with conflict?
1: Okay, well, one of the things is there are a certain number of characteristic conflict styles. And the way that I like to describe them sometimes, it relates to different kind of animals. And um, if I use these examples of these animals, like uh, you know, one might be an owl or one might be a turtle or whatever, each of us are going to tend to have a main conflict style and maybe a, a backup or secondary style. But, but, but one example of a conflict style is being a, a turtle. A turtle will tend to see conflict as a very negative thing and withdraw from the conflict. Think, oh, this is all too much and just sort of go off on your own. Another style is being a teddy bear. And A teddy bear might be letting other people have what they want, giving up a bit of what, what you want and making sure other people are happy and sort of you know, being very accommodating. Another conflict style is to be you know, somewhat aggressive or attacking, so being like a shark, so to speak, thinking, hey, this is really important to me. No, I really want this computer now. No, I'm, I must have it kind of thing. That would be what we would call a more forceful or aggressive kind of style, an attacking style. Then maybe a, an owl would represent a win-win approach. An owl's going to think of not just, well, what's, what's worthwhile for me in this situation, but also what's worthwhile for the other person. And then we can think of, say, a compromise, someone who'll go for some of what they want but let other people have some of what they want as well. So when we look at these different styles, whether it be sort of more withdrawing or accommodating or more attacking or, or an owl is, is sort of, you know, looking to collaborate Or whether we compromise how we deal with conflict involves two elements one of those elements is how much importance do we place on our own interests or what we want and the second element is how much do we value or emphasize the relationship And as you can imagine, like generally it helps to have ways, if our main ways of dealing with conflict are some of the more, what we call assertive styles, like compromising or the owl being collaborating, then we're going for a bit of each. We're going for a bit of what we want, but to see other people get a bit of what they want. If we go for uh, just, you know, this is what I'm after more than the relationship, we'll tend to have more aggressive patterns of of reacting, whereas if we tend to give up what we want because we're so concerned about the relationship or don't value what we want so much, then we'll tend to develop more passive styles of dealing with conflict.
0: So... Do you think there's a best style of conflict management to employees? Is it something that you can sort of say, well, hold on, everyone needs to be a bit more of an owl at the moment because we all need a little bit more collaboration or is it something that's a bit more individual?
1: Uh, Yeah, good question. Because often we think, oh, okay, there must be one best conflict style. And certainly as a psychologist, you generally think that it really helps to have one of your main styles being an assertive style, meaning either collaborating, like an owl, or compromising. And the idea of it really does help broadly to have one of those styles as one of your mainstays, because then it means that you've got ways of getting what you want, or a fair bit of what you want, but also you can consider other people's interests and you can still have good relationships because you're also interested in other people getting what they want but if there's anything i'd wonder about in the current situation i wonder whether with stresses being more intense or whatever there might be a little bit more payoff sometimes for some of the passive styles if you like like you know being accommodating like giving a bit more ground for others we share a house with that 's likely to help when you live with others long term uh, also some conflicts are going to be so small they 're trivial they 're not worth having an argument about, so then maybe it 's okay being a turtle and sort of withdrawing when normally we would think of that as a more you know, not so adaptive conflict style because it means that you end up not getting much of what you want and it doesn 't necessarily help the relationship. But uh, I think in, in the give and take, we'll, we'll be getting more used to give and take as we're living with each other a lengthy period of time and I think that well, there'll be more of a downside to attacking ways of dealing with conflict and sometimes there isn't going to be a realistic win-win approach and we don't have to necessarily push that too hard. I, I think that the main thing is being a bit accepting and there being a bit more conflict and, and looking to dial down the intensity.
0: And so how do we develop our styles? Is it sort of the case of, oh, I can just imagine someone out there being a, a bit more of a shark and, and thinking that they want to get a little bit more closer to, say, the owl sort of type of or, or style of conflict management. So is, is it the case that we're sort of preordained to, I suppose, react to conflict a certain way throughout our life or are there ways that we're able to develop it?
1: Well, generally we'd see our ways of dealing with conflict, it's a lot to do with learning, so uh, our main ways of learning are probably learning from our parents. And, and whenever, we, as a psychologist, you, you see clients, uh, even in the first session or the first session or two, we typically ask people about their family background and things like that, but we ask how each parent tended to deal with conflict situations, whether passive, aggressive, or assertive. And that leads up to uh, inviting the person to reflect on how they tend to deal with conflict situations, which is often a kind of combination of their parents' styles. And it's very helpful if people have had a parent or very lucky if they've had both parents who tended to have assertive styles where you can learn to get what you want and still consider the other people's interests. Uh, but we do tend to learn and be influenced a lot by our parents' styles. Now, it's a little bit different the last 20 years because there's a lot of emphasis on psychology now. So there are different strategies of, of dealing with, uh, with interpersonal conflict that might be discussed in schools. And um, uh, so there are many schools, for example, that have positive psychology programs these days or other kind of uh, educational programs that look at how we deal with life issues and also, I think that there's more in popular media, uh, there's more even on uh, TV, different educational ways. That, that, that there's more these days that people are interested in psychological kind of themes. And so many people have found other ways of learning other than just from our parents, but also it's from our teachers, it's from our peers, it's from uh, movies or literature. We can draw on all sorts of ways of learning about conflict, but in the first instance, our initial bent tends to be following on what we've observed in our parents
0: well that uh that leads us on nicely there to our next point because we like to discuss on this podcast the character strengths and how they can be applied in i suppose in a bit more of a positive way where conflict could otherwise be seen something there's a bit more wholly negative but If we look at the character strengths, and and now that again, like like with most things, there's going to be some that I suppose apply uh, more obviously, such as forgiveness, that's one that that sort of comes to mind with conflict, but others that apply less, obviously. So we might go through the list here, and and I'll just pick out a few and ask you about them. So what about kindness. Kindness is probably a little bit more of an obvious one, isn't it? Look, look, it is, but I think that's a, that's a great
1: one to highlight because even apart from character strengths, we know that there are a few, from, from positive psychology, we know that there are a few ways that people might relate to others that have a particular benefit in people's well-being. And one of them is kindness. And when we think about it, any little act of kindness that we do towards someone at home, it might be making them a cup of tea, it might be helping out with an errand, it might be just uh, uh, showing sympathy for someone who's going through a difficult time. That's a kind of positive energy that will tend to make a difference. And another one is gratitude. Like we know, that's one that generally helps our well being. If someone has a top strength in gratitude, that's a great thing because people will tend to look at the blessings in their life and, and really appreciate uh, the, those aspects of other people around them that are positive. And then, well, let's face it, this one can really help at times of stress For- forgiveness. There are going to be times, more than usual I would think, where people are going to be rubbing people up, you know, the, the, the people that they love, people are going to be rubbing them up the wrong way or, or finding tensions in that proximity. So I think that uh, character strengths like kindness, gratitude and forgiveness, well they're, they're, there's, there's a gimme. If you've got those as some of your top strengths, well uh, the, the people who live with you are blessed because they're likely to benefit from those wonderful qualities that you have.
0: Well, I think there's been some great stories of people showing kindness and forgiveness that have come out of this whole change of circumstances that everyone's going through. One thing that comes to mind is uh, you hear of sort of neighbourhood groups and kind of communities coming together on sort of WhatsApp and passing their details around and whether it be doing a a nice thing for an elderly neighbour or or just another member of the community that, that you're able to help out. You hear of people gaining great benefit from doing these sorts of things.
1: Yes, and it's an example of positive energy going around. And and again, the person who acts in a way which is giving to another, like with acts of kindness, the person who is generous with their kindness benefits just as much. In many ways, more is the person who they're being kind to. and uh, Actually, a recent example I read about in the paper today was um, uh, some people working in supermarkets find it uplifting to see the behaviour of some of the customers. They gave an example where there was an elderly person who now people have to pack their own bags, of course, and they were taking quite a long time. It might have been you know, three or four times longer than it might normally take, so people are all waiting in a queue, but the people in the queue were so patient and the next person in the queue is like smiling at the cashier and just being very patient. And then the elderly person, they've finished packing their bags and off they go. And then the next person was ready to move up to then put their groceries out. And then, and then what happens? They see that there's an elderly person behind them in the queue. They step aside and invite that person to go next even though they know that that might take quite a while. And I thought, well, isn't that an uplifting kind of example? So kind acts don't just benefit the person who's been kind and though they're being kind too. It also benefits the people who witness it.
0: Well I think one of the consequences we're seeing throughout this whole time is a real amplification of positivity in many ways. I suppose before all this, I suppose there was a real notion that negativity was very loud. You sort of, you know, you get your people on social media who are sort of outraged at this and that and and it's quite often much easier to make people aware of negativity than it is positivity but I think during this time like as you say like I hear little examples of that but people are really looking for opportunities to amplify the positivity more than ever before I think so that's something that I you know I, I hope that sort of lasts throughout this whole period and beyond.
1: I like your emphasis on opportunity. And, and I suppose um, something to highlight about conflict is we often have a negative connotation to it. Like in our, in our culture, if you ask people, for example, what does conflict mean to you? Sometimes I run groups with people, it's about conflict management and you write up the word conflict. What does this mean to you? And people might say anger, frustration, uh, antagonism, uh, negative, uh, fighting. And then gradually people might start to say, Say some other words like uh, differing opinions, different points of view, understanding, empathy. Like Over a period of time, people start to realise that even though we might often associate conflict with negative things, really because it technically means when one person's interests are different from someone else's. Well, that's going to be normal part of life. We don't always want to watch the same movie that we're going to or uh, go to the same restaurant, even if we're doing positive things, or go to the same holiday spot. So it's natural there'll be conflict, but conflict is an actual opportunity an opportunity to learn from others point of view it's a it's an opportunity to show other people how you value the relationship, how, how, how you're interested in there being a, a win-win where they gain for themselves as well it's a it's an opportunity to sometimes be kind or give ground in some way so there there are many positive things that come out of conflict and i think if many people think of your closest friends the chances are you'll think of a time where there was some level of tension between you or whatever, but partly the way you dealt with the conflict situation actually added further depth and strength to your relationship. So yeah, as we look at the character strengths, we might think of how there's an opportunity that comes from dealing with conflict.
0: Well, that's really interesting because I must admit, even sort of thinking about this podcast, initially that probably was something that, that I probably thought a little bit in the sense that conflict was a negative thing. And if you look, for example, at the creativity character strength, you know, you look at some of the, the facets that make up creativity and its it's originality, its ingenuity, I must admit, I, I first looked at that and I thought, that's actually something that could almost sort of work in the favour of conflict, if that makes sense, because, you know, you think if you having conflict with someone you can be a little bit creative in terms of how to get under their skin (laughs) you you know i say as an older brother very much you're a very you're a
1: very creative (laughs) debater rowan
0: well that's the thing that's what i mean sort of thing but but as you were speaking there it's you know i I very much think you can think in terms of all right what's a creative way of, of getting through to the other person or what's a creative way of of gaining a mutual understanding that we both have
1: yeah, the essence of creative is being novel or different or coming up with a different kind of way. So uh, creativity is thinking outside the square and that's a great advantage in conflict situations because in conflict situations we're going to tend to get a little bit stuck with the tension uh, that, that's there, the stress. We can get stuck in being a bit more rigid more rigidly sticking to our point of view, whatever, more rigidly doing what we would tend to do in that situation. So creativity is a real advantage because it it gives you an extra, well, well, maybe an extra bent towards looking at a different way of dealing with the situation and not just staying stuck in it.
0: And how about leadership? How does leadership apply to conflict? Because I almost think that I suppose leadership has an element of arbitration involved in it, which if you're having conflict with someone, I suppose arbitrating or being perceived to arbitrate over them would escalate the situation potentially.
1: Well, well, that's where it relates to the kind of leadership it's referring to in the character strengths. The leadership we're looking at there is kind of bringing people together. It's looking to bring out the best in people. So it's different from a kind of autocratic leadership, and so leadership has a bit of a teamwork aspect associated with it, but when, when people have that leadership bent, they tend to be very good at drawing people in uh, to, to be involved in a certain activity together and, uh, and often doing it in a ways that ways that people feel that they want to be involved.
0: And I think one thing that also comes to mind there as well is that this list of strengths as we've spoken about, doesn't necessarily apply to just our top strengths as well, but it also applies to some of our bottom strengths. So I imagine that there are situations where we may be underusing some of our strengths, which leads to conflict as well.
1: Yes, and and like let's think of some of those that that, that come up. There might be, um, just say, if lower strengths were like self regulation, for example. Now, that means that in a conflict situation, then someone might be more likely to just blurt out whatever comes to mind or be impulsive in some kind of way or not, say, pause or take a bit of time out from the situation. So, yeah, like you're suggesting, as well as benefiting from drawing on our top strengths, we can really benefit from bolstering our lower ones. And let's think of it, it, it just say if our lower strengths included um, self-regulation, certainly forgiveness, um fairness kindness humility, h- humility uh, yeah. sure now I- I- if that was a, a lower strength of gratitude as well these are the kind of things that it might be worth particularly focusing on at times especially during periods uh, of tension anything that we do to bolster those lower strengths is likely to go a long way
0: now there's some strengths on here that don't necessarily apply as well to conflict so How about appreciation of beauty and excellence? Say my top strength was appreciation of beauty and excellence and I was having conflict with someone, how could I use that strength?
1: Well, I suppose a a, a couple of uh, things. One is in terms of uh, part of managing conflict is managing our emotions and helping other people manage theirs. So maybe one of the ways of managing our own emotions would be to think, okay, there's this tense situation that's been going on. I think I could do with having a walk outside or something like that. Now, if someone goes on a walk and can, uh, say, be walking by a river or amongst trees in a park or something like that, that might be a a way of the person self-regulating their own tensions to a degree. And that might be something which is a calming response that then then helps when they re-engage with others in in their home. They might be feeling more settled in themselves. Uh, But another might be um, appreciation of beauty and excellence. Appreciation of excellence. It might be that you notice that, uh, that that someone that you, like say a family member, might be feeling very tense. It might be a student who's who's doing uh, an assignment for school and they might be putting a lot of pressure on themselves and getting more heated and frustrated and all the rest of it kind of thing. And it might be uh, remembering that part of the reason that person might be more tense or frustrated is because they want to do something very well they're looking to apply a high standard, they're looking to apply excellence. And I think just recognising that as being a source of the other person's frustration can help cut them a bit more slack.
0: Now, there's going to be some situations when tensions do escalate. Now, I, I probably know from my own experience, there are times when you sort of, you might be feeling a bit angry about something and, and no one necessarily wants to be sitting there sort of doing character strengths exercises at, at that time. So what can we do to cool the situation down if, if things really are getting heated?
1: Okay, so I think this gets into the area of anger management principles. And there are a few tried and true principles that I think we can apply there. And one of the main things is when we're angry, we're going to be more tense. So anything that reduces our tension level, anything that reduces our arousal level will help. For some people, that'll be slow breathing exercises or some relaxation technique. Physical exercise is very good as general tension kind of reduction techniques. It also can be uh, de-escalating a situation by getting away from it to a point, like if there's a certain point of conflict between you, it's been building up, then it can be good for people to spend some time in separate spaces for a while, rather than stay engaged in a conflict situation. A lot of it is looking at our self-talk. And when people get caught up with anger reactions becoming more intense, It's usually a few different things that that come up. One of the main things is having a win-lose approach to conflict, thinking, hey, here we've got some tension about this, Uh, there's going to be a winner, there's going to be a loser, I don't want to be the loser, and losing sight of that kind of our-like collaboration or compromising way of trying to deal with things that often helps it go a bit better. So it's the win-lose approach. But the other thing is expectations. When people feel intensely angry or angry to an unwanted degree, it's usually because of the word should. It's thinking they should act differently from what they are and they're not doing this, or they shouldn't have done that and they've gone and done it. And the thing is, it's not the other person or the situation that makes us feel angry. It's the kind of things that are going through our mind. It's our own thoughts about the situation. It's how we perceive it. So if we get our expectations of ourselves or others out of hand, we think they should do this or they shouldn't do that or they should be pulling their weight so much more in this direction or whatever, natural to feel frustrated, but it helps not to get caught up in rigid expectations. Instead of thinking they should do this, we can think... I would prefer if they did that. I would, I, I would like it. I would appreciate it if they helped with this. I, I would, I would think it's more fair, and I, I would appreciate them sort of, whether it be helping more with the, uh, whether it be with the housework or whatever it might be. So, looking at our self-talk, watching out especially for the word "should," and if we are going to bring up a conflict situation, it really helps to pick your time, pick your setting, and use a an assertive approach of i statements i think this i feel that or i want such and such if we can bring up the i statements when there's a, a situation of conflict it's likely to go better than if we have the language like you this or you should that or uh why did you whatever it, that, that that kind of finger pointing reaction leads people to tend to just get their back up and it tends to just uh I- escalate so i think they're the main things looking for ways to dial down our arousal level, watching out for our self-talk and especially the, the the shoulds and if we can look at giving others a fair bit of ground, looking to be forgiving, looking to be kind in different ways and if we want to sort something out, looking to pick our time And maybe use I statements, just making a statement of how we think or feel about a a situation. Then, hopefully the other person's ready to hear that and then reciprocate. So I generally use a a principle that if we're going to look to influence people, influence people with our ears. So first of all, look to bring out from the other person, what are their interests? How, How do they see a situation? If we've got that in mind, we're likely to less get stuck in rigidity and thinking they should this, they should that.
0: Well, that really reminds me of something that you told me one time when people are acting in a certain way that's, say, quite toxic or that's quite outwardly negative, quite often they could be just attempting to externalise what's going on in their own head in terms of if they're feeling very much that everyone hates them or they're not feeling sort of connected to those around them, there's the potential that they'll act in a certain way to go, well, now I know for sure that they do sort of thing.
1: Yeah, look, actually, how that reminds me is, is, look, it even comes back to toddlers, where it's more obvious, picking up someone's mood. Sometimes we can be engaging with a toddler or a child, an infant in a high chair, and they're throwing all the food around on the floor and all the rest of it, and that could be very frustrating, having to pick that up or whatever. But parents of infants will often pick up that, actually, this is also the infant expressing something of their emotions, that the mess isn't only the things they're throwing on the floor but the infant might feel quite irritated or whatever same with a a toddler if they're throwing a tantrum We, we might feel some frustration or irritation around their behavior which is often reflecting the emotion that the toddler has at that time and parents will tend to quite intuitively pick that up well We're not toddlers, sure, but there can be a little bit of that that happens in our own lives and households, especially when you're living in close proximity to each other. You can feel a bit of a reaction or tension or irritability or stress within yourself, and it might be reflecting something of the feeling state of the others that we're living with so sometimes it helps to consider that as a possibility and step back and think oh is it possible that they're feeling quite irritated or frustrated or whatever and hey maybe we're a little bit in the same boat here maybe we can cut each other a bit of slack without making excuses for people's behavior but that is a way sometimes of tapping in a bit to someone's feeling state that they're they're struggling with managing themselves
0: is that something that's going to be more relevant if you're having more regular conflict look
1: i think so but especially if we're in proximity for a long time and and look one of the sad things is we tend to let our frustrations and irritations out more with our loved ones and often people will say uh well not just in a therapy situation but in everyday life but people will say look you know this is so frustrating this is the person that i i care about but they're acting towards me this way or vice versa well well, let's face it, we feel more safe and comfortable with our loved ones and so, unfortunately, that means that our, our uh, uh, dysregulated behaviour might spill out more with them, whereas we might be on much better behaviour with friends or work colleagues or whatever. So, so, but it's all also worth really taking that into account and thinking for our own benefit, as well as the people that we're living with where we are all in the same boat, restricted, Just looking to take that bit more care to dial down our
0: reactions. Now, just before we go, is there anything else you'd like to add about conflict or anger?
1: Look, I suppose the general thing is allowing for there to be a bit more of it, more irritability at times like this looking to cut, a, cut ourselves and each other a bit of slack in terms of allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, but where we can go with the positive energy, go with the positive energy of of kindness, of forgiveness, of gratitude, and recognising that we are in the same kind of boat. So we are going to feel frustrations at times and accepting that, but where we can, dialing down the intensity of the negative Dialing up the positive energy, and that will help all of us get through the next six months or so a bit better. I think,
0: and I think that's where the character strengths come in as well, as they are such a good way to be able to, I suppose, contextualize things in in that positive way.
1: That's the point. Is see the best in the others around us. So terrific if people in a household, your family members, if if each person were to fill out their character strengths. And uh, the podcast website page, it, it, it says how you can do that. Well, then if we're looking, actively looking for those character strengths in those around us, then we're not only helping bring out our best from looking at our character strengths, we're helping other people bring out the best in them.
0: And that podcast page is www.chrismackey.com.au slash podcast. So we've got all the episodes up there as well as all the resources that we mentioned throughout the episodes. And we've also got the email at podcast at au. So thanks for having a chat with me today, Dad. It's been good. Thank you, Rowan. I've enjoyed it. We'll see you next week.